Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I'm so very glad you're here with us to this morning. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Trisha Brooke, a private coach for public speakers, writer, director, and podcast host of The Big Talk. Trisha has taken her experience as a writer and director to help public speakers find a way to perform their talk in an authentic way, showcasing truth, confidence, vulnerability, awe, compassion, and courage. She assists speakers with understanding the significance of what they want to say and how to transmit that knowledge to the audience. I am so excited to have you here today, Trisha. Thank you so much for joining us. Casey, so grateful to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so one of the first questions that I always like to ask is how did we get connected? Christopher Salem, who we both talked about pre-show, is such an incredible man, soul, human being, and he made this connection and I'm forever grateful for it. And, you know, it's so interesting because even though I'm a recruiter and I'm, you know, and I do the podcast, you know, my ambition is to eventually become a speaker. And that's why Christopher thought that you and I should be connected because apparently you are one of the best coaches in the world. Well, thank you for that. And I'd like to highlight that you're already a speaker. You're doing an incredible job on this show and I've been watching your episodes. You've got what it takes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, you know, I just, I I really need someone like you though, to help me kind of formulate for that because my goal is to do a TEDx talk, right? And I've got so much chaos in my head and that's where a coach like yourself really comes into play because you've helped narrow it down and distill it down into that one idea. Because from what I understand, it's the one idea. It's not all the ideas, right? Right. Well, as thought leaders, we tend to have lots of ideas. And being able to distill it down to the one potent big idea is important. And it's just like with anything in the world of self-development, we if we want to take our game to the next level and play bigger, we need coaches. I have three coaches. And so I think if you desire to step into the red circle, having someone support you in doing that will expedite the process dramatically. And I love that you said that because you are a coach and you just said, I have three coaches. And I am also a huge proponent that, you know, I'm going to be writing a book here soon. So I'm going to get me a book coach. I'm not going to try to, the first one that I did, I tried to do on my own and it was a disaster. So why? You, you have people that can help you, right? Absolutely. When I went into the studio to record my audiobook version of The Influential Voice, I hired a producer director because I wanted to be the performer. I wanted to just release and, and go into being the receiver of good direction. And it was the best decision I ever made because I got somebody else who was really good at their job to direct me and to help me do my best as the performer. And I think that's really important. If you desire to take your, your speaking game to the next level, if you desire to take your business to the next level, if you want to, um, 
become the best version of yourself, you need outside eyes from people that you can trust. That's so true. That's such a great way to put it. So, okay. So we've just learned a lot about you, but I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do. I have been working and living in New York City for the past 30 years in the theater, film, and television showbiz world. And I moved to New York City from Missouri to pursue a career in dance. I danced all around the world at Paris Opera, Palermo, Lisbon, uh, Vienna Opera House, BAM Opera Theater in New York City and Brooklyn and Lincoln Center, and absolutely loved being a dancer. Also realized that my impact was limited to the number of people in the theater and the length of time I was on stage. And I knew that I wanted to have more impact and longer lasting impact, right? The the art form of dance is extremely fleeting. And even if you film it, it's very, very um, uh, dated, if you will. So I realized, okay, what do I want to do to have more impact? Wasn't sure. Started making documentary films. Still do that. And about four years ago, a friend asked me if I would direct her TED Talk. And I thought, sure, sounds super fun. It's like a one-woman show. We'll do script analysis, intention, blocking and choreography. We'll work on uh, performance quality. And I didn't think anything of it. And then she planted the seed, which was, Mm. you should do this. And I thought, do what? People hire coaches to help you speak better? That's a thing? And before I knew it, I had all these speakers wanting to work with me and no place to put them. What does a theater producer do? Produce shows. What's the best show for speakers? TEDx. So I got my license. I became the executive producer of TEDx Lincoln Square in New York City, produced that event for two years, went on to start producing my own events and realized that this was the kind of lasting legacy that I was going to be able to have supporting thought leaders and influencers in sharing their important message so that ripple effect would live on long after me and long after them because the ideas keep being passed down and that has what led me has led me to be here with you today that just gave me chills because i could literally see the multiplying effect of your legacy what a wonderful way to look at that Okay, now I'm going to have to rethink mine. So <laughs> a little light work tonight, inner work to do. So, <laughs> I, want, I want to have an impact for generations. That's, that's amazing. So, okay. So, all right. So I know I am not afraid to get up and speak. Um, you obviously aren't afraid to get up and speak, but a lot of people are. So, you know, why is this? So many people are afraid of the public speaking. Why is this such a widespread phobia? I love this question. I love that you're saying you're not afraid to get up and speak. Let me just say that fear and nerves are different and they can coexist. I am not afraid to do pretty much anything and I still have nerves because I care. Now, a lot of people confuse fear and nerves and that paralyzes them and prevents them from sharing their very important and powerful message. Most people think that that fear is something they can't overcome and therefore they just give up. Mm -hmm. The reality is when you think about your fear and what it is and what's igniting it, it's usually because you're making everything about you. What if people don't like what I say? What if I fall? What if I fail? What if I forget? What if nobody likes what I'm saying? What if people end up writing me hate mail? Like all the things, what if I die? 
all the things go on in their mind. The second you reframe that and you say to yourself, what if the audience begins to think differently? What if they go home and share my, in my important message with their family and they can create something together that didn't exist before? What if they love it? What if they donate to a worthy cause? What if they are forever changed or one person is forever changed because of me taking the stage? So that's the most important thing. If anybody is watching this and listening to this has that fear of public speaking or that fear of getting up in front of people, take the attention off of yourself and put it on the audience. When you are of service and you're always thinking about how to support the audience, how to share with the audience, how to give them everything you possibly can, you stop worrying about yourself and that fear goes away. And that's how you coexist with fear. And also think about, really think about, is it fear or is it nerves? Mm. Because I have a feeling most of the time it's nerves. That is so good. I've also heard it said that some people can't really tell the difference between fear and excitement. Physiologically, your yes. body does the exact same thing, right? Yes. So that's the other thing. When you coexist with fear, your body will physiologically betray you. It's mm -hmm. just guaranteed. You're going to get sweaty palms, dry mouth. Your arms are going to, your armpits are going to sweat. Your knees are going to shake. That is a physiological response that everybody has when we get up by ourselves in front of a room full of people. So if you can rehearse under mild stress so that you put your body in that position of fight or flight and you create a confidence competence loop around performing and having that stress anxiety happen so that you realize, oh, I didn't die. Oh, I can deliver my talk while still having butterflies in my stomach. And then you increase that stress to a little bit more. So mild stress, your family, they're gonna love you no matter what increase the stress a little bit more. Your colleagues, you care about what they think about you, but you know that they're not going to fire you. Right. Increase the stress a little bit more, invite a room full of other speakers to be your audience and see what happens to your body. And then you create that reality that you can coexist with fear while delivering an impactful speech. You know, and as you were saying all of this, I'm sitting there thinking about our job seekers that are going for interviews and every bit of that applies to the interview process as well, because you're afraid, what if they don't like me? Well, show them what you have to offer. And if I may yes. also share this, Casey, and this is what I also tell my actors and my speakers, audition them. Yes, exactly. you've probably You've probably shared this with your, with your recruiters. You're there auditioning them as well. Absolutely, so, okay. So let's talk about our early job seekers. How important do you think public speaking skills are, especially for those that are early in their career? It is a skill that will always serve you no matter what career. When you can communicate articulately and succinctly and impactfully, you will be the person they remember. If you are mumbling or rambling or um, talking in circles, that's what they'll remember about you. So get really clear on how to be succinct, articulate, and direct. And that doesn't mean you can't be warm and friendly. You can still have all of those things, but this also requires rehearsal. If you know you're gonna be nervous, be clear on what it is you're gonna share with them about your personal story so that you don't go off 
and ramble, but you also give them enough information so that they can connect to you as a human being and you pause long enough for them to interject their thoughts. That's beautiful. You know, one thing that I also ask like my candidates when I'm prepping them for like a job interview or something like that, I'll, I'll ask them to do, especially if they're nervous, is to record themselves answering questions, like have somebody in their family or whatever, ask them questions that they anticipate. And I give them a whole slew of questions ahead of time to anticipate, you know. Um, but I think that when you can go back and watch yourself, and like for me, um, my biggest, I have filler words and I have to really watch it. And like, so is my go-to. <laughs> I'm like, so, you know, and if you watch so yourself. So comma, so comma. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I literally have a sticker on my desk that says, quit saying so. That's great advice. When you know you're saying um and right, you know, so make sure that you become conscious of that so that you can start eliminating all of those filler words. Yes. And I love too that you said to answer succinctly. I don't know why that's a hard word for me to say today. Um, but I, I think it's so true. There's an app out there that I just ran across. I don't know if you've seen it, but it actually teaches you to use your words more um, just without using all the filler words and you know and when you do it shows you examples and I can't remember the name of the app I wish I could but you, your sentences just look so much more intelligent quit going for the word count you know that I love that yeah um, and, and two to your point I just interviewed a candidate the other day that um, we were trying to have a conversation and he would just blah 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 here blah blah here and then up here and over here and then we're talking about something else and I sat, I literally sat there for 30 minutes and didn't say a word. And I'm like, I, I can't send you to my clients, you know? And so I've got to find a way to get him some kind of speaking coach if he's ever going to get another job. It's so important to be able to formulate your thoughts quickly, clearly, and deliver them succinctly. I think I'm going to go find that app and download it. I think I need some help with that too. <laughs> so what about established leaders? How can they develop their speaking skills to improve their leadership abilities? I think there's five ways that really are gonna enhance established leaders who are already speaking, communicating, and that's understanding how to coexist with fear. Mm -hmm. It is also understanding the importance of context. And what that means is really asking yourself three questions. Why is this idea important? or what I'm sharing with my company or my audience important. Why is it important to me personally? And why is it important to the world? And this, these three questions in what I call context, why they're important is because you're gonna reach a wider audience. Everything you're saying is gonna have global impact. And I'll give you an example. One of my very first speakers, Kristen Smedley, she came to me and said, I wanna speak on a TED stage. I was not yet an organizer of TEDx Lincoln Square. And I said, okay, great. What do you wanna talk about? And she said, I started a foundation 16 years ago about retinal disease. I have three kids, two were born blind. Hmm. And I said, okay, awesome. Let's talk about this. I did an active listening session with her. And at the end of the two hours, I said, Kristen, this talk is not about rare eye disease. The talk is about how you learn to see the world differently through the eyes of your children. Oh, I just got now, chills again. You got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> now that's because we went through the process of why is this important? Why is it important to Kristen? Why is it important to the world? Why is it important is because she wanted to create awareness around this disease 
Why is it important to Kristen? She's got two blind kids. Now, this is the most important question. Why is it important to the world? And that's because if she's talking about rare eye disease, I don't have kids and I don't have blind kids. So how am I going to benefit from her conversation? If she's talking about how she learned to see the world through the eyes of her children, I immediately connect to how important it is for me to see the, see the world through the eyes of others in order to increase my compassion and empathy. Mm. So that's what established leaders can also add to their arsenal of goodness when it comes to being a powerful, influential voice. Also, it's important to know how to motivate instead of manipulate. Mm. We've all seen speakers who go up on stage and they manipulate us or they think they're going to get what they want from us because they're trying to manipulate us and it's not working. This is what I use with my actors as well as my speakers. And it's a, it's a simple acting technique. It's called objective and action. What do you want from your audience or your scene partner? And how do you get it? What's the action you're going to play? Now, what's so great about this is we all do it as human beings. It's something we unconsciously do all the time. You want your kids to go to bed? That's your objective. You want your partner to take out the trash or do the dishes? That's your objective, what you want. You want the audience to buy your book? You want the audience to donate to a worthy cause? That's your objective. How do you get your audience to do what you want? And that's motivate, not manipulate. You play an action. You want your kids to go to bed? You could take them. You could story tell them. You could tickle them. You want your partner to take out the trash? You could beg. You could <laughs> nag, you could seduce, you could pay them. Same thing when you're on stage. If you are communicating to an audience and they're not giving you their attention, which is the most obvious objective, right? You want their attention. What are you going to do? If you're not getting what you want, you have to change your action. So if you're educating, teaching, motivating, um, inspiring, and they're not giving you their attention, what are you going to do? Oh, are you really asking me what I'm going to do? I'm going You're going to wait. You're going to wait. Oh. Or, or what would you do? What would you? What I don't know. You? I don't know. But I like the wait. I was like, because you had me. I was like. <laughs> if you stop and stop, if you stand still and stop talking, everyone's going to look up. You just got what you wanted, their attention. Interesting. You are the second person in a week to tell me to pause. So, which means I need to pay attention. I think that's something for us all to think about is the power of a pause and the power of stillness. We feel so nervous about dead space, but the reality is that silence is full of energy and power. And that's really important to remember. I love that. Oh my goodness. Well, okay. So let's talk about your podcast real quick. So you have a podcast called The Big Talk that you host. What topics do you discuss on your podcast and what can listeners learn there? For sure. I interview lots of amazing people. Um, Stedman Graham was on the show and we talked about identity leadership and he was an awesome, awesome guest. Oprah did come up and so did Michelle Obama. Um, I also do solo podcasts where I talk about things like mindset, readiness, truth versus lie, limiting beliefs, why I know anything is possible. And that particular podcast is literally about how I grew up on a farm in Arnold, Missouri, 20 miles south of St. Louis. And I am sitting in New York City with a huge career and an empire and an incredible community and life. So I do know anything is possible. And I also talk about 
why being an influential voice is so important on stage and off. And that means when you're an influential voice and you are sitting across the kitchen table from your family, those kids hear everything you say. When you are sitting across the boardroom table from your team, those team members hear everything you say. When you're in community or you're getting Starbucks, that barista hears everything you say. You have an opportunity to be an influential voice every single time you speak. And I talk about that on the podcast. I recently did a podcast on how important it is for me to have self-care when I work with clients. And that's because I work with really high level thought leaders and influencers who are doing huge things in the world. And those things can be overwhelming. We're talking climate change. We're talking freedom of speech and censorship. We're talking about traumatic brain injury. If I don't know how to take care of myself, those kinds of topics can be super heady. So I talk about that process as well because the more elevation that we are at as leaders, and I play at a pretty high elevation, that's going to require more from us to be highly productive. That is amazing. And which episode is that where you talk about the self-care? I just recorded it, so it'll probably drop in June. Okay. I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for that because I think that's, that's an area where we all tend to lack and it's so important. And I've just, even in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed that I've really, you know, stepped it up a notch. And because of that, my, I know without a doubt, I have to have eight hours of sleep and, and I monitor my sleep every night and the quality of it. And for the last two weeks, I've only been getting between six and a half and seven hours a night. And it's not working. It. It's not working for me. I want to go to bed right now. <laughs> do you use an aura ring? I don't. If you like monitoring your sleep, I would highly recommend you get an aura ring because it will give you every single detail. It tells you when you're deep sleep, light sleep, REM sleep, body temperature, heart rate, resting heart rate, you'll know everything and you'll be able to make more informed decisions okay. the morning of when you get the data. For example, I know exactly when I'm getting enough sleep, like you, you can mm -hmm. feel it, but yeah. the aura ring will tell you and it'll say, you should probably make a different decision around working out today because your body's not fully recovered. Okay. As soon as we get done, I'm going to get one. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, it. I have a, one that monitors, but it's not that at that level. So You'll love it. I will definitely do that. Okay. So last question before we get to our VIP questions. Do you have any tips for job seekers who are telling their story to a hiring manager? What tactics would you advise them to use in order to make a lasting impression? I think we covered it a little bit, but I'd love to review that. And that means really determining which of the stories you're going to tell so you can get really good at telling it. Something that you many people think is that I can't tell the same story all the time. Well, yes, you can. And if you do, you'll get really good at it. And then that, that story that you know how to share so beautifully and eloquently and by distilling it, you can articulate it in a way that has that potency and that is super clear and short. That's why it's important to practice it. And the other thing is make eye contact. Thank make sure you. your body is open. Make sure your body is open. And and remember that they want you to succeed. Yes. Because they need the help right now. The yeah. great resignation and labor shortage is real. I'm just kidding. I have one more question. So I want to talk about your book a little bit, um, The Influential Voice. So where, do, where can we find this book, number one? 
For sure. You can find the influential voice saying what you mean for lasting legacy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And I would love to give your listeners and your audience chapter one complimentary. And if you go to the influentialvoicebook.com forward slash chapter, you can download the first chapter, which is all about purpose, values, and mission. And that's really something that was important to me. When you choose to be an influential voice, and anyone can be. Yes. It starts with purpose, mission, and values. And when you're clear on those three things about your life, you will always stay in alignment when it comes to being an influential voice. I love it. Oh, man. I could just talk to you all day because every time I talk to you, I get new nuggets. And it's just, I'm just so glad we're recording this one so that I'm not having to write everything down so frantically fast. Um, But yeah, this is going to be fabulous when it goes out. So but I still, I learn so much about people when I ask our VIP questions. So are you ready for those? I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? I would bring Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and yes. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow? Yep. Okay. Need a little music in your life? I just watched her documentary and she is... I've always loved her and I was definitely that generation of music. And what I learned about her is she is one of the strongest, most loving, fierce, fierce friends that, that I didn't know about her. So she's definitely somebody that I would bring to Mars with me. Oh my goodness. Now I'm going to have to go watch that too. (laughs) Okay. So now I'm really curious about this. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Always gratitude. Gratitude and meditation, they, they are a non-negotiable. You know what? Soul sister, that's all I'm going to say. Yep. <laughs> I love it. So if your life's work, see, I just said so, I'm ashamed. No. <laughs> <laughs> if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? The world becomes a kinder, more loving place as humanity unites over speech. Beautiful. So beautiful. How do people get in touch with you if they need your speaking services or if they just want to be your best friend? For sure. I love having best friends. <laughs> you can find me uh, trishabrook.com. I'm on Instagram at Trisha Brook. I'm on Facebook, uh, Trisha Brook and The Big Talk with Trisha Brook. My podcast, The Big Talk with Trisha Brook. I have a YouTube channel. And for anybody who wants to reach out to potentially be a guest, Email team at trishabrook.com. Oh, you're in trouble now. Guess who's going to be emailing? (laughs) (laughs) I can get schooled by the master. (laughs) Cannot wait to have you on. Well, Trisha, I just have one last thing to say to you. You are a VIP. Thank you, Casey. I appreciate you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.